Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome to Recovery, sort of. It's Jason, and of course, Billy's here. Hey, how's it going? And uh, not sure exactly what we're going to talk about this week completely, but we're going to start, I think, with, uh, we were talking, and so I did a little online Christmas shopping last night, um, you know, getting my kids items. Now, I have five kids, and so, you know, with the amount of resources I have, that has to be portioned out to like, okay, how am I going to do this? Is it going to be a certain number of gifts per kid, which we've done in the past? Uh, This year, we're attempting to do a certain price range for each kid and, you know, only spending that much. They're a little older. I think they'll understand the difference between the cost of items versus the number of items. Um, But what what I noticed was, I mean, I spend a lot of time really shopping for gifts for my kids because I do it in a way that it's meaningful to me, right? Like my kids mean a lot to me and I spend time really trying to pick out gifts that are good for them, right? What will they really like? What will they really appreciate? What will they really get a lot of use out of, even if they've never heard of it and don't know they want it? Um, And so I put all this time and energy into it. And, you know, Christmas is no cheap uh, event, even with money limits on each child, But what I come to is that there's a concern and a worry still in me that I am terrified they will wake up and be disappointed on Christmas morning, right? It's been made into this event by, I guess, society or business or whoever, that to me, I am scared that they're going to have an awful, ruined, boring Christmas, and I'm just going to be a failure of a goddamn parent having to watch them on Christmas morning look like that, And, and I... I fucking hate it, honestly. Like, here I am putting in all this effort because I love them so much, and I'm still scared that with all this effort, they're still going to wake up with these sad faces when they open their gifts and not get what they really wanted or, you know, whatever that is. And I just hate that consumerism or advertising or whatever it is has sold us all this message that if you don't get your kids these this perfect right gift or the right number of gifts, that it's a failure of a Christmas. Uh, I just want it to be about loving each other. Yeah, that one's that's tough. We've struggled with those same things over the years with our kids. Um, Jen and I have gone rounds about that. I it's so funny. So she, my, this is my wife. She is typically not a person that concerns herself very much with like moral norms and going with the flow of you know society and she's a person that's very much against those things but when it comes to christmas she is all about the consumerism and buying a bunch of christmas yeah and it totally blows my mind that's shocking yes it it, to me (laughs) and it totally you know has become an issue where every year i'm like look you know every year money's tight you know we never have this ton of excess money so every year it's like look 
we got to come up with like a number, like, a, like you said, like, you know, we have four kids. So, you know, let's say $300 on each kid. You're still talking $1,200 plus whatever we get for each other. Right. Plus for us, we have the added, uh, I don't say expense, but we also go up to see my daughter in Massachusetts right after Christmas. Like Christmas morning, we get up, we go to my wife's sister's. We have breakfast and stuff and then drive up to Massachusetts and spend mm. Christmas up there with her daughter as well. So on top of all of that, we have the added expense of planning a trip right on top of Christmas. Right. And every year I'm like, it's got to be like $200. And she'll say, oh, yeah, whatever. OK, sure. Sounds good. <sighs> and then, you know, it gets to the time and and I fall. I find myself doing this, too. It's like you start wrapping the gifts and you're putting them in piles and you start thinking, man, that pile looks awful small. Yes. You know? <laughs> that thing's not big enough. Yeah. And same. Our kids are getting older, so they want like laptops and computers mm. and phones and all those things that are incredibly expensive. Um, this year, we've thought of doing something a little different. And I like the idea. So a couple of years and I've never done it because I cave. But a couple of years I've said, you know what? We're not going to get anything for Christmas this year. We're going to go like to the homeless shelter and feed homeless people and just have them be grateful for, you know, have, as a lesson to my kids. Like, look, not everybody gets tons of presents on Christmas. That's not right. a thing that just happens, you know, to people like it's it takes effort and work and, you know, family that loves you to be able to do those things. Um We've never done it because same. I still feel the social pressure of like I want my kids to feel mm. special and I want them to feel loved and I want them to feel important. Um, this year we've talked about, and I don't know that we've made a firm decision about buying like a, and I've heard other people talk about it, like buying a, like a trip or an experience. An experience and we've talked yeah. about doing skiing, you know, we're just going to get either season passes to a ski place, or we thought maybe we'll just do all like the, season rentals and we'll plan out a couple trips and you know that's going to be our gift is more of an experience versus actual material goods um so yeah i've had the same struggles in life with my kids <laughs> i feel like i well i don't feel like i think it is going to come to the experience purchase for us at some point too more because with the the technology nowadays like once you have your phone once you have, if you want a computer, once you have an Xbox, like once you have these things, and, and this is the thing we've had to move away from. We've gone in years and bought all these toys for our kids, you know, more the younger ones than the, the teenagers, but they don't play with them anymore because they have the phone, the computer, and the Xbox or whatever it is their version of technology is. And because of that, look, I'm embracing it, right? I'm like, fuck it. Uh, I don't have all these goddamn toys on the shelves, on the floor, and everywhere else. Like, we got this right. one little phone or tablet. Perfect. I love it, right? There's no clutter. Um, but it limits you. And once you have it, there's no new thing to buy, right? Like, so you run out of actual things that people want for gifts. And so the experience is a, a solid thing to me, a vacation, a trip, something where we're at least spending time together. I think that's valuable. Um I just, yeah, I get really bothered by the whole thing. Um, and, and like, I know the one thing my son wants, and this is one of the things that just hurts me. The one thing he wants is out of the price range that we talked about setting for him. Mm -hmm. And the thing we got him seemed like a nifty thing at the time. Uh, and now I'm looking at it and I'm not thinking it is right. And I'm like, fuck, man, I feel like he's always 
somewhat disappointed anyway just he's like that middle child that kind of feels left out i'm like uh what the fuck yeah that's tough yeah every dad wants to be the hero you know i I, i'm the same way like i can set all these limits and all these rules but when it really comes down to it you know my heart is i want to give them everything that they ever want in life like that's just what i want to do and i can't always do that financially or emotionally you know, but I do right. the best I can and hopefully teach them to be grateful for what they have. Um, recently, you know, we kind of got ourselves, my son wanted a gaming laptop for his birthday back in, now his birthday has been in September and we haven't been able to get him this gaming laptop yet because of our financial situation. But <laughs> same thing, like I start looking into laptops and you can buy laptops for $130. Oh, yeah. But you can't buy a gaming laptop for $130. No. I mean, the cheapest one I could find was about $650 to $700. That has, suck. Well, I was going to say, that's that's one that I went, because I can go online and did reviews on different laptops and entry-level gaming laptops. Right. And what... What kind of, they said, look, these are pretty much the minimum requirements to run any kind of games. You right. kind of need these minimal things. Um, so I found ones that have those minimal things. And for what he's doing, it'll be fine. And it'll be better than anything else he's ever had. So he'll be happy. And he's not quite into the, I mean, he's only 11. So he's right. not, you know, some professional game. Right. And if we got there, we can worry about that later. But this is his very first gaming laptop. He's only ever played on GameStation. So we'll see how it goes. And I thought, ah, you know, so I didn't want to, I told my wife, I'm like, look, 500 bucks is the max. And then I couldn't find anything in that price range. So I'm like, look, <laughs> the cheapest one I found is like six. And it's me, the one that's pushing the boundary because I don't want to get him some right. piece of shit laptop that doesn't run any games or is junk because I know, you know, then it's useless. Then right. I might as well flush 400, $500 down the toilet. Cause he's not going to use it. So coincidentally, we're looking and my wife said last night, she's like, Hey, maybe there's some black Friday sales coming up on some laptops. And sure enough, the one that I wanted to get him, that was $650 was $200 off. So I was able to get it for 400 some dollars. So we ordered it for him last night. (laughs) That's awesome. And so, you know, there was a case where it was, you know, he's been waiting since September and he's been patient. He keeps harassing us, but it's like, he, we try to be a little bit honest. Like, look, some things are going on with mom's work right now and money's a little tight and it'll, you know, we'll get it. You'll get it. And I think he trusts us to know that he'll eventually he'll get it. Maybe right. not as quickly as he wants. But yeah, it's it's a struggle with um, money. And I remember as a kid growing up, so a couple of things I thought about as a child, um, when I was younger, my parents didn't have a ton of money. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, so... A lot of our Christmas gifts would be really practical things like clothes and things that we didn't necessarily, you know, want, but right. we kind of needed. And, you know, it would be like underwear and socks and a toothbrush and stuff like that would be what was in our stocking and right. remembering that. And then there would be some candy and stuff in there, too. A little bubble gum. Um But like growing up, I don't remember that being such a horrible experience. You know what I mean? Like. And and so I do that with our kids now, like most of their bit like a cell phone, you know, when we got, I think both our daughters, when they got their cell phones was probably on Christmas. Right. Mostly because there's an excuse to a, you know, get them something that they want, but it's also something that at their ages is really practical. I mean, it's 17 and 
14, you know, they're now going to activities, doing things on their own. They're going out, whatever, babysitting, or we need to get in touch with them for things. So it's really practical for them to have a cell phone. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, there's always opportunities like that, that we look to kind of get them things that are beneficial to us too. And my wife struggles with that. She's like, well, I don't want to get them clothes and things they don't want, you know? Right. <clears throat> and and that becomes so my daughters are, are 14 now and they're like clothes is great for them they're like fuck yeah clothes right whereas if you gave clothes to my five or ten year old son they'd be like what the fuck do you give me socks for right um but and so you mentioned something there that that hit with me the adjusting to changing beliefs like if every christmas that was what you got from day one toothbrushes and and basic needs maybe some deodorant in your stocking that's going to feel natural and not be odd right so, but I need to adjust to the changing beliefs that I've lived in through my life. So I, I got clean and there's these kids and early on, it's like, yeah, fucking Santa, he's going to bring you <laughs> stuff. You better be good. Right. And I don't believe that shit. And I don't enforce it in my house anymore. Like we don't talk about Santa. I, me and my wife generally don't talk about Santa. <clears throat> Grandparents might, school kids might. We, I don't ever fucking mention Santa because fuck Santa for real, right? He <laughs> right. takes all my credit. Right. And it's not about him taking my credit. I just don't like the system. I don't like, hey, kid, if you're good, I'll love you. And if you're not, I won't, right? I don't want to teach my kids that. Like, look, you're getting a fucking Christmas no matter how much of an asshole you are, honestly. And, and I'm going to tell you that up front. Like, that's not going to affect Christmas for you. We love you and you have worth no matter what the fuck you do. Right. Hopefully you're good, right? That, that's where I'm going with that. But the adjusting beliefs of early on, dude, they were getting 21 gifts each and, and you know, there's three of them then. So it's a little more manageable and they were cheaper gifts because they were smaller oh, kids. Yeah. And, and like, there was no, we didn't need to put a toothbrush in their, in their stocking. Whereas now we might need to put a toothbrush in their stocking. We might need to do these things. And so for them to try to adjust to the fact that I sold my my kid Santa at first, and now I don't talk about Santa, and now I have different beliefs about spending money and what really matters in life. Like that's hard for them to adjust to. Had it been that way all along, I wouldn't feel bad about it. I'd be like, "Yeah, you get a fucking cardboard box for Christmas. It's what you've gotten every year. You're like, you're used to it. No biggie." But it's not what they've gotten. They have gotten the consumerist buy, 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 Jason. You know what I mean? Back in the day, and now they're trying to adjust to getting, hey this isn't what really matters in life. Like my ideals have changed. Yeah. And you reminded me of a situation that's kind of out of our control. Um, and it, it's changing, like say life, life changes come up. So my mom passed away last September mm. and she probably bought the grandkids, my kids and the other grandkids. She spent as much money, if not more on them than we did. She was usually the one that bought them all their like, quote unquote, big gifts. If they had like an expensive thing they wanted or whatever, she would usually get that. Okay. And of course, obviously, we had no problem with that. Like, right. sure, you know what yep. I mean? You can buy the $300 <laughs> camera. Like, that's fine. Um, and she passed last September. And my dad is not that he's more the um i can just give you some money <laughs> like right. because my mom took that was the thing that she that was her way of expressing like love and she shopped she started shopping you know back in june she's already planning for christmas and buying things and ordering them and stashing them in her closet like she was one of those right. people that did those things and that was the thing that she really felt like she could do 
um, because financially they could afford it. And that was her way of really showing the mm. kids she loved them. So last year, you know, materialistic wise, like there was a big gap there, you know, from what they're used to getting. They're used to opening sort of two piles of presents. Right. And this year they really just got one. Um, as my kids have gotten older, like my middle, well, probably both of them, my older daughter, I think even more, um, both of them would probably be happy if I just handed them 200 bucks. They'd probably be happier than if I went out and bought them a bunch of crap. If I just right. said, Hey, here's 200 bucks or 300 bucks, get yourself whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. They would probably be happier with that than they would with a bunch of materialistic gifts. No, absolutely. My daughter's asked for gift cards and, and I, personally i have asked when people say hey what would you really want for christmas i'm like a fucking gift card right and they're like that's so impersonal and this is one of those older belief systems yeah. you know might come from my mother she says that a lot it's i don't want to get you a gift card there's nothing personal to that and i'm like you're not hearing me for real right, <laughs> right. i struggle to spend money on myself for things that are fun or that i want at times you giving me a gift card is such a freedom to me because I can walk into that store and not feel bad buying myself stuff. Right. I know this money is only good at this fucking store and it's for me to blow. I can be okay with just enjoying the shopping experience for a couple hours. Like you don't understand what you're really giving me when you give me a gift card. And she's always like, well, where do you want it to? I'm like, that's the joy. I don't give a fuck, right? <laughs> right. Just give it to me to anywhere. Sure. I will find something I like in there. And that's, right. I feel like that's part of the cool part of it is like, I don't even know what the fuck you're going to, you could send me to Best Buy. I could get technology. You could send me to a outdoor store. I can get a new pair of hiking boots. Like who the fuck knows anything. And what she'll do is because I won't tell her where she'll get me like one of the visa gift cards. That's good anywhere. I'm like, you didn't fucking help me. <laughs> You're supposed to limit it. Now I got too many options. Yeah. And, and I'm like, just being totally practical minded. Like I'm always like, I want gift cards to like home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, <laughs> like the places that I'm going to shop and I'll right. use it for fucking groceries and be completely happy with, getting $50 or a hundred bucks off my grocery bill. <laughs> ah, see, I can't <laughs> say see, I don't Cause that. I don't, you know, I, and I got this, I think from my dad, like I, I, cause I watched him do it. Like if I need something or want something, I just go get it. You know, right. I, I don't want extravagant things. It's not like I'm a big materialistic person as far as when it comes to like clothes or shoes or any of that weird stuff. As we sit here in sweatpants and hoodies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't, you know, frivolously spend money on that stuff, right. but, you know, things around, like I need tools. I do some kind of trade work on the side and then I'm constantly doing projects around the house. So I'll need tools and I can't wait till fucking Christmas to get that stuff. I'm in the middle of a job or working on a project at home. I just go buy it. Right. Um, and that's my wife now asks, you know, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, save the money you're going to spend on me, put it in the bank or, you know, give it to the kids <laughs> and I'm good right now. Yeah. And she wants to get me something. Yeah, you're worth getting something. I get I get the theory and I'm not saying it makes sense, right? But so look, Lowe's or Home Depot, I can I can respect that. You get a tool, that's pretty neat, right? A tool is cool. Groceries, I, I, I gotta take ob an objection to that one. <laughs> Fuck don't get me a fucking grocery gift card, right? <laughs> like look, yeah, we do need groceries and, and that's awesome, but and I don't want extravagant things, but hell if I don't like being able to pick out a hoodie here and there or a new pair of work pants, like 
most of my clothes shopping is done at, you know, thrift stores. Yeah. Like the ability to go to even a TJ Maxx and, and have a $50 <laughs> gift card to get a new work shirt and pants is like, holy fuck, maybe even a pair of shoes, right? Who knows? Like, I like that experience. And I don't look, if I really needed a pair of work pants, I would go buy a pair of work pants, right? I don't need a pair of work pants. I have like eight pairs of, you know, dressy pants. They're not the eight pairs of pants I really want. They're the ones I've found or that have been right. given to me or like, so I won't go buy new ones being that I have some. It's just, they don't all fit right. Some are a little baggier than I'd like. Some don't really fit in the waist too well. And the belt scrunches up the top and they look fucking stupid, but I won't go buy a new one because I have them. Right. So do you, and it's just, this is a little bit off, but do you like shopping for clothes and stuff? Cause I hate it. I just the whole experience of a mall or even right. going to, you know, Coles or people like just the whole even thinking about it. Like I get anxiety. I'm like fucking. Right. I don't want to go in there and try on fucking clothes and look at stuff and pick out what I like. Like so, there is obviously two of me at least. Right? <laughs> There's time. So we went uh, last weekend. We had a birthday party on Saturday, and the birthday party was not far from a little store. And I wanted to go look and see if they had any sweaters. So while the kids were at the birthday party, my wife and I walked over to the store and it was crowded. It was Saturday night. Every motherfucker and their mom were shopping. I was like, holy fuck, where did all these people come from? Right. And we spent about two and a half minutes in there and we're just I couldn't even move. Like we had a stroller and there's fucking people and tight walkways. And about two and a half minutes in, I was like, hey, I, I, I'm fucking checked out. We need to get out of here. I can't do this, right? So I went and stood up out of front. She continued to look. I'm like, Jesus Christ, here we go. I'm going to be patient. She looks. She grabs like four sweaters. I walk over to her finally because I'm tired of waiting. I'm like, listen, you just need to put them back. I am not here right now. I can't do this, right? And so we left. So no, when it's like that, I fucking hate it. But there, there have been times when I've gone out middle of the work week and during a day when it's not crowded, when there's like three people in the goddamn store and I can enjoy it. I can enjoy the experience of looking, just seeing what catches my fancy, just maybe try something on. I'm not like a guy who, who gets crazy about it. And I've found that even when I try to set myself up to be in that place of, I'm going to enjoy this today. I'm going to get a coffee, relax by myself, just shop a little, Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, right? And I, but I, I, the great thing is that now I can recognize that soon. It's like quick. I'm like, hey, I, I'm not fucking here today. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. I'm not even gonna waste my time getting mad at this place. Yeah, and I never like it. Like, I, and I've tried to even set myself up to like it, but yeah, I just hate it. And but the the opposite is Lowe's or Home Depot. I could go in there and walk around all day and look at. Dumb right. shit, you know. Oh, look at these new appliances. Oh, look at this new kind of floor. You know? <laughs> have I you, just have no interest in clothes or shoes right. or any of that stuff. Have you ever had the privilege of going shopping on a, a work weekday when everybody's at work? Yes. Yeah, so it's the beautiful. last time I went shopping, and we spent way too much money, and it was okay. I got a bunch of things that I needed. Um, my wife and I had went to a convention for the fellowship that we go to there was a convention up in lancaster and there's some outlets not far from there okay. and it was on a, a, a whatever day it was there was fucking nobody there and every store we walked into there wasn't really any people it was not awesome. crowded there was almost nobody there but it was like this little outside strip mall so you had to sort of go from store to store to store 
And like the first store, I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, I look for a couple things I like. And then by the second store, I'm like, all right, fuck this. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, walking to all these stores. And we ended up going to five or six stores. And we ended up getting a bunch. I mean, I got a bunch of things that I like absolutely needed. Right. And they were really good prices. But even when I'm shopping, like I'll look at something and be like, all right, I really like this shirt, but it's fifty-seven dollars, mm. and this one's okay, but it's fourteen, so fourteen wins. No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like, that's that's how I shop. So when I go to those places, I'm like, just point me to the clearance rack, and then yes. I'll just pick two or three shirts off the clearance rack that fit or close to fit, and then I'm out. And I want to be in and out in like fifteen minutes. I'm not. You know, and she's telling me, oh, you got to go try this on and you got to. And I'm like, fuck that. The last time I got work <laughs> pants, I went online. I know the size pants and the type that I like for work. Right. So I ordered three pairs of the exact same thing of the exact size and stuff that I like and ordered them online and ship them to me because I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I love the clearance rack. That's pretty much I feel like that's the only place that I want to shop because that's the closest to the amount of money I think is actually what things are worth um, in my head at least. And, and so I definitely shop on the clearance rack. I try not to look at the fancy shit that costs too much. Cause then I just feel bad that I won't pay for <laughs> right. that. Um, and I, I do want to be not there all day. Like I don't understand the, the hours and hours and hours of shopping time in one store. I've also found that when I go into a store, like, I do better going into a department store that sells some shoes than I would going into a shoe store, right? Because I walk into a shoe store and there's 4,886 types of shoes and I'm like, I'm just fucking overwhelmed. I'm like, dude, you need to give me like pick from these five, right? (laughs) Right. I can't pick out of 4,000 some shoes. I don't fucking know. I don't even know what I like half the time. Like, give me a smaller option set. I can't. Yeah, too many options. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, back to... Christmas, you know, I I don't know that there's an easy answer to the materialistic side of our society. Mm-hmm. I will say I, I, we are a little bit luckier in that our kids don't go to public school, so they don't have the peer pressure and that kind of stuff. Um, but historically, they have been whatever you want to call it, materialized, <laughs> right. you know, to death at Christmas time. And they're used to getting a bunch of stuff. And um, I don't. I don't think last year seemed to be very detrimental. I mean, I think back to my childhood Christmases and we always got stuff, you know, like we always got stuff and we spent some time with family. And, and so my growing up, my parents didn't have a lot of money when we were kids. And then as we got older, obviously their income increased. And when we were teenagers, like we got, you know, everything that we wanted kind of thing. And I can't say that, I remember one feeling a lot better than the other, Mm. Um, you know, in hindsight. And I know for a fact, you know, as we got older, they had more money and we definitely got a lot more things and a lot more expensive things and everything that we wanted. Um, There was a funny. So I'll tell this funny Christmas story real quick. Um, when, When I was in high school, I was into a lot of like the at the time, like the death metal. This would have been the late 80s like uh judas priest and uh led zeppelin and um i think ozzy osbourne like those kind of bands so my mom would go what when hot topic used to be a little different than it is now it's a little weird now but 
back then that's all they used to have all the metallica and megadeth patches that you could put on your jean jackets like (laughs) all that kind of stuff and i was into all that stuff and so she went to hot topic and buys me this t-shirts and stuff thinking she's doing a good job bring it open and open it up on christmas morning i have this black t-shirt with i don't know probably a skull and crossbows on it that has a big 666 right across the chest (laughs) (laughs) we start cracking up laughing you know like mom i can't i'm not gonna wear this and she's like you know why like 666 is like devil worship stuff (laughs) so it's funny so my mom gave me a 666 t-shirt one year for christmas (laughs) that's hilarious i don't i don't think my parents ever made that kind of social faux pas (laughs) mistake of not knowing not that i can remember at least yeah i don't i don't know man i i've worried every year the worry has probably made me go beyond whatever limit i originally set right um it has always seemed to work out one way or the other everybody seems to be content i hope the older of the kids understand a little bit more nowadays um, but money and, and gifts and buying things, it's one of those touchy things that I feel like nobody talked about when I was growing up. And so I try to be a lot more open about it with my kids. My kids always want to try to keep up with their public school friends and, oh, we need these Nike Air Max, you know, LeBron Jordans or whatever the fuck they are. I, I have no idea because I don't follow shoes like that. But they're like, oh, they're $186. I'm like, listen, if I'm buying I will not buy you a shoe that's more than $100. <laughs> like, it's just not going right. to fucking happen. That shoe costs like $4.84 to make right. in some country. I can't do it, right? When you get a job, feel free to buy those shoes for yourself. It's just not going to happen here, right? And I and I need them to understand that, that that's where I'm coming from. And w- when they get money and that's what they want to spend it on, that's fine. Maybe they'll realize that it's just not worth it when they do that. Like, after their first pair, I have no clue. Maybe they'll love it. Maybe they'll make a lot of money and buy great shoes. I don't know. I will not. And I find exactly that with my 14-year-old. So she has saved up a bunch of money. She's done babysitting jobs. She's worked with me. She's saved up a bunch of money. And we've had a couple of those conversations where she'll say she wants something. And I'll say, well, you have money. Why don't you buy it? Nah, no, I don't don't want it that bad. (laughs) So then you don't really want it. You just want me to buy it for you. Yes, yes. All right, this sounds like a good spot to take a little break and let our sponsor say their words and then uh we'll come back this episode has been brought to you by voices of hope inc a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in maryland voices of hope is made up of people in recovery family members and allies together members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment support resources and mentoring Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we're back and sticking with the topic of money. Uh, recently, I've been in a situation. My wife's uh, job is sort of going through some 
issues and she's currently not been getting her regular pay and it's created some financial difficulty. So I take on some side work and I can work, you know, almost as much as I want, you know, besides my regular 40 hour job where I work Monday to Friday, you know, eight to five or whatever. Um, this is all additional work. And so it's, uh, for a, on my own schedule kind of thing. I can do it when I want, as much as I want, but there's always deadlines. So I end up working a lot and I have a hard time balancing out, you know, chasing money and being thrown off by that, you know, money, property, prestige, diverting me from my primary purpose, which should be taking care of my own, you know, spiritual and uh, mental well-being so that I can be the best person that I can be. Um, and so lately I've fallen, you know, what I'll say, and, and I'm not sure this is where I run into that moral dilemma. Like, I'm not sure if it's throwing me off or it's a necessary thing, because obviously we have kids and we have bills and we have, you know, obligations and, you know, I need to make this extra money so that we can afford to, you know, keep the lights on and eat and pay our bills on time. And, um, but it's at the expense of some of the things I was doing just, you know, two weeks ago of going to the gym every day and mm. meditating and, you know, having time to like sit down and eat dinner with my kids and, you know, those things, because what I've been doing at least this last week was I get up in the morning, you know, I go to my regular job, I come home, I sort of make something for dinner, usually pretty quick. I grab some food, make sure there's some food for the kids. And then I run back out the door and then I work till about 10 or, you know, 1030. And then by the time I get home, it's, you know, and, and wind down and get in bed, it's 11, 1130. And I've just worked from 730 in the morning to 1130 at night. I'm just, I find it hard to get up then at five o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. Right. And it's very easy to justify like, fuck that. I'm not getting up at five in the morning. I need to sleep, you know, because right. I have to do the same thing the next, or I don't have to. I already know that my plan the next day is to do the exact same thing. And so if I get up at five in the morning and go to the gym and do all that, I'm just going to be wrecked, you know? Yeah. So it becomes easy to blow that off. It becomes easy to discard, you know, eating well, then all of a sudden it's, well, I don't have a lot of time. So it's going to be pizza and French fries or whatever quick thing I can make when I run home. And, you know, instead of like a decent meal, like fish or steak or something good, it's like fish sticks and you know right. pizza and whatever else I can make pretty quick. And then same with eating fast food, you know, I'm on the run. I got stuff to do. I just want to grab some food. So I waste money on fast food and garbage and then you know it's like before i know it in this really quick amount of like a week and a half like all these good things that has taken me weeks of time to like build into my schedule and right. do on a regular basis and i've been building momentum and doing really well in like three or four short days they're all out the window and thrown right to the side right <laughs> and it's like is that am i you know, putting this money, you know, and property and prestige ahead of, you know, what's good for me? Or am I really just being responsible? And and that's tough. I think it's tougher in your situation than say, okay, so quick history. <clears throat> um, I was in construction. I ran into some issues with depression uh, at another point in time in recovery. 
and was struggling to get to work through going to seek treatment for depression. I ended up deciding I wanted to switch careers. Um, and so I went back to school and uh, Billy is spilling coffee all over himself and I'm struggling not to laugh, honestly. Uh, That's what happens when you try to drink quietly. We've decided <laughs> we drink coffee here. Both of us tend to be sippers when we drink. So we've been actively trying not to sip or slurp our coffee so that right. it annoys everybody. So I, I completely gave up on it. I'm a yeah. sipper and I just cannot do it quietly. So I just spilled it all down the front of myself trying to drink without <laughs> sipping <laughs> Uh, to disrupt you there. No, no, that was great. Um, yeah, so I was struggling with depression. I, I went to seek treatment. I ended up making a career change. My career change required me to go to college. Um, so my wife makes pretty good money in her position. And so with student loans and her paycheck, we've been able to manage without me working for, you know, six years now. And I had the opportunity just a few months ago to go back to work uh, on my terms. I chose to. I didn't really need to. Um, not that we've ever like gotten by greatly on her paycheck and student loans. Like it's still been tight, but I didn't really need to work. Um, and I decided I would try to. And so this job presented itself. There was some hours there. I brought in some extra money, if you want to call it extra. And it felt pretty nice, right? It felt nice to be able to contribute. Uh, it's been quite a while since I did that. But I noticed as soon as there was extra hours available and they were offered to me, anytime somebody needed time off or wanted to call out, I wanted it, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't need it. Like your situation is a little tricky because you might feel like you need that money for certain bills. I knew I didn't need that goddamn money, right? I just wanted it at the expense of being home with my family. When I was already not home with my family for 60 hours a week, I want to get eight more hours. Oh, it's offered? Fuck yeah, I want that, right? Then it became, there was a day, the only day I had off during my week, which was like one of the only days I saw my sons. I got to get them up for school on that day. I got to get them off the bus that day. It was kind of a nice experience to have that day with them, but they offered that day to me and I wanted it, right? And I, I like seriously debated this shit in my head, knowing I don't really need that day's pay still really, really called to me, dude, you want this extra eight hours of money, right? <clears throat> and I had to eventually go and ask my son and I, I knew what he would say, right? Because he doesn't give a fuck about money. He's 10. He, he don't care about any of that shit. He's like, dude, I, I kind of like having you get us up for school and give us breakfast and get us off the bus and help us with our homework. It's cool. I'd rather you didn't. And I was like, fuck. I know that's what I got to do, right? I know I got to do what he's saying. I knew it was the right thing. I just, for I don't know why that money just calls to me, right? Almost, almost in the same way that the drug or the feeling of that called to me. Yeah. And I've talked to my wife about those kind of things because I've made these similar decisions in the past, even when she's getting a regular paycheck and even when money wasn't as big an issue. Right. Um, so to be fair, right now it's easier to justify because of the financial situation. Right. But the truth is I've made the same decisions when money's, you know, when we've had money. So it's, that's not the only motivator. <laughs> it's just, I'm more aware of those decisions now. So through the process of recovery, I've learned to look at some of those things. And at times, um, even recently, a few months back, I actually turned down some of the extra side work and said, Hey, look, I can't, you know, it's not good for me to do all this work. If you can get someone else, get someone else. You know, if you really need me to fill in or you're really in a jam, 
give me a call. I'll see what I can do. But I don't want to be your first and I don't want to be the sort of go to guy. You really need to get someone else. Right. Um, because of that, because in the past I've made the decision and and the place and the side work, it's sort of never ending. There's as much or as little of it as I want to do. And so like this year over the summer, I had kind of decided that I just wanted to be more available for my son and baseball and stuff that we do over the, the summer. Um, I wanted that time with the kids a little more and, you know, I didn't regret it. It was a good decision. Now, of course, I'm like, oh, I should have went and got all the money. And, you know, but <laughs> yeah, It's hard. I, I've talked to my wife about it. I don't know if that's a male thing, you know, not to take it to a sex thing, but my drive it feels like naturally is to want to be the provider, to want to make sure like my natural inclination is to want to make sure like our home is stable and our house is safe and, you know, we have food and we have electric and, and not that emotional needs aren't important, but my natural inclination isn't to protect those things as as quickly as it is to try to want to be the financial provider or the financial security. Right. Um, so I don't know you know, it's always been easy for me to dismiss being home, taking care of the kids and doing that stuff. And even now they're a little bit older and, you know, that will come home from work and I'll kind of make dinner and I almost have to goad them to come down and eat dinner with <laughs> us at the table. They'd rather stay up in their room until whatever the video game's over or whatever video they're playing on or, you know, whoever they're talking to on the computer is done and then they'll sort of mosey down and grab some food and eat and then run back up to their rooms and kind of be in their little uh technology bubble right and uh you know there's times that i am okay with that even that it's like that's easier for all of us <laughs> right know? no and it's like yep you just go to your technology bubble and i'm gonna i'm gonna work or i'm gonna do whatever so to, to touch on a few of those things uh to counter the sexist thing uh my my wife feels the same way like she just wants money or more resources or however you want to look at that she's worked a couple of second jobs uh throughout our time together uh, being married and so she'll she'll say hey <clears throat> i want to wait tables or bartend right and i'm like okay well we'll talk about what hours are available so she'll pick up one shift it never stays one shift, right? Before before the job ends, somehow there's she's working Friday night and Saturday night, and then they're calling her in for Sunday events. And it's just like, she does not ever want to say no to an opportunity to make money. And uh, we've talked about that a lot of times. And so I, I would mock her maybe over that, over not, hey, you should put your family first and be home with us, right? I've said that kind of shit to her and then found when I was in that situation with a job offering me hours, how strong that pool to want to do it was. <laughs> now what I've found since that job ended is that I'm home annoyed as fuck with my kids and wishing I was making money because at least I'd be doing something productive instead of hollering at them or being annoyed. And I'm like, no wonder she wanted to be out of the fucking house. It's way easier. Yeah, It's and way easier to hang out somewhere else with work people than it is to parent. And my wife will say the same thing. You know, I'll tell her, like, I like when we all hang out at home together on a weeknight. Like, it happens so infrequently that, like, we're all home and we have dinner together and we're all kind of there even on the weekends. And she's like, 
it feels so unproductive. Like the kids are off in their fucking rooms all by themselves. Right. They don't act like they want to hang out with us and they don't act like they want to do, you know, they're not trying to hang out and make emotional connections and everything else. Each of them goes off to do what they want to do. And they are more than happy. You know, I'll go to my son or my daughter on the weekends and be like, Hey, what do you want to do this weekend? And they're like, nothing like, <laughs> and they're glad, you know, my 14 year old, she's like, I run and do stuff all week you know she says i'm busy all week and to be able to just chill out at home in my room and and not do a lot is great mm. so i'm like yeah i get it i kind of like that you right, know right. <laughs> after working all week i kind of like chilling at home and doing nothing i don't usually get to but that's my own choice you know if i had a choice of not having to do anything i probably would right I, so i get annoyed because my daughter's uh will come home from school every day and generally they just go to their room, lay in bed under the covers with the light off and like play on their phones. And I'm like, what in the <laughs> fuck are you preparing your life for? Like this, you're running out of time. I know you don't feel that as a teenager, but life is short yeah. and you are just laying around looking at this little screen. All the, it'd be different if it was sometimes, right? If, if they worked all week and then like your daughter says, you know, that's what they did on the weekend. Okay. Maybe. It's every goddamn day. It's immediately what they do. Come home from school, walk in the door, drop everything, take the shoes off, get in bed. And I'm like, what the fuck? And my older daughter has recently got a job. Uh, She had a job when we were traveling. We were out in Utah. She had a job there. We came home since she's got her license and a car and um, she's got a job here. So she works you know quite a bit and uh i was pretty surprised i don't say surprised but she has done i'm pretty proud i guess i'd say she has worked pretty regularly she's committed to showing up on time and do it and before she got that job she was very much that she would hmm. come home and go in her room and be on her computer and you know same thing turn the lights out pull the covers up over her head and right. just be on her computer in her own little world but when she did actually get a job and go out to work, like she's done really well. And I don't, we don't pressure her as far as what's your work schedule? Are you going to be there on time? Are you going to, she manages all that herself pretty well. And I mean, I guess it's her work. I don't think they'd send home a report card for work. So right. I assume she's, I know they ask her to work a lot and fill in a lot. And she's very conscious about what time she needs to be there and getting there on time. So I assume she's doing what she says she's going to do. She doesn't give me any reason not to. That gives me hope because my daughters talk about getting a job here and there. They're starting to get to that age. Like I'll get a summer job. And I'm like, you are not going to fucking cut it whatsoever. (laughs) Like I remember my daughter just like two weeks ago being amazed that work days were eight hours. She's like, I can't work for eight hours straight. I'm like, I fucking know you can't. Right. I've seen this in you. You die. (laughs) But it is funny with my younger two. So I have actually, go to them into coming to help me on some of the side work. There's some things they can do to help me. And I pay them, you know, 10 bucks an hour under the table and uh, they'll come work. And I've noticed like none of them want to come work with me anymore. They don't like it. Um, <laughs> my son, now he's only 11 and, and I keep it easy. It's, he's not doing anything overly pressing. It's all easy stuff, but he likes to work about three hours, maybe four, and then he's completely done. He just wants to go home and do something else. He doesn't want to keep working. And then 
my 14 year old, she'll, she can work and she likes when she gets the money, but she's saying, she's like, that's ah, more than I want to do. Like money's not, I'd rather lay at home in bed and do nothing and not make money than chase that hundred bucks or you know, 80 bucks, whatever it is. Right. No. So we, we pay my daughters for doing chores and uh, we just made a new arrangement with them. So they're, they're doing them pretty well now, but for, I don't know, two months there, my one daughter just would not do hers and then would ask for money to go out with her friends and shit. And I was like, fuck no. Right. You had this opportunity. I'm not going to give you, well, can I, can I borrow it from you? And then I'll do the chore to make it back. I'm like, no. This is one of those lessons that you need to learn about life. Like you need to do the work to have the money to go do things. You can't yeah, just... and we constantly tell my son. I mean, he's constantly coming down. Hey, I want this video game. It's 60 bucks, you know. And so last night he tries to make a deal with us. He goes, okay, so I need 60 bucks for this video game. Um, I'll clean my bedroom and do the dishes. I said, Put, that ain't even close to 60 bucks. Right. Like cleaning your bedroom is free because that's your bedroom and you just really need to keep it clean. Right. <laughs> and the mess in there is all entirely yours. No <laughs> one went in there and made that mess. So you need to clean that up for free. And the dishes are worth like five bucks. If it's overly full, maybe 10, but you know, there wasn't that many and I'll give you five bucks. I'm like, if you want to earn money, you can come work with me and I'll, you know, you can earn 60 bucks in a day. Right. But you know, same, trying to teach him like the value, what, what's the value of money and what's the value of work and, and learning those lessons. It's and, definitely a hard thing to teach yeah. the kids doing a, I, well, and I feel like that's a pretty practical thing. Like, look, yeah. doing a load of dishes is not 60 bucks in a video games worth of work. It's a, do- <laughs> it's a dollar at my house. Right? Right. I'm going to tell my kids, they might be at your house doing your dishes for five <laughs> oh, bucks from now on. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so one of the things we and we are always in this state of flux as parenting, and I, I don't mean to make this about parenting, but just of, you know, how much screen time can they have? How are we going to try to track it and limit it? What are we doing with it this week? And so this week we started to try to do just some tech free time at sporadic times throughout the week when it made sense. Right. I think we had like a Tuesday night where we had an hour together. So it was like, everybody get off your fucking tech. Right. Let's spend 45 minutes to an hour together. And we did. And it was all right. And then my wife went out to dinner with her friends Friday night. And so me and the kids did it again. We, we got off our tech for an hour um, and just like threw a little softball around the room and listened to Christmas music and talked. Right. And I, I, I'd be, it'd be hard for me to say that it's a bad thing because it, I truly think we do more bonding in that little bit of time off of our phones and, tablets and everything than we do at any other point in time in our life. And I, I hate to like enforce it as a rule. Uh, but I do feel like it's really valuable to, to my relationship with them. Yeah. And and we've talked about doing different things like that. Well, I've never been one to want to limit screen time. I know there's lots of studies and things on that and just me personally i'm kind of always fall back on the old eh, is tv technology like i can tell you how many people have a tv <laughs> on in their house 24 hours a day right. but then they'll tell their kid to get off their phone like is there really much of a difference between right. bright flashy lights shining a bunch of 
shit in your face like mm. and i guess maybe it's a little more interactive and there's some dangers to the internet that yeah. aren't there on tv but well i think it's a lot has to do with the notifications and the reward system that comes from mobile devices more than tv like tv is more of a passive experience which i don't like about it but with the the phones and the internet and notifications and the games they're all set up to reward you the same way gambling does, the same way drugs do. They all set off those same behavioral reward centers. Yeah, but at least in talking to my kids, none of them really seem to be into online games that much or social media. Right. So those are the two things that I think are the most dangerous um, for kids. And and I could be totally wrong. I don't know. I, I just... You know, I, I always fall back on the old when books first became available to everyone. They told everyone how they were going to wreck society, right. and, you know, wreck families. And all this was just too much for people to have access to books, you know. No, yeah, and now yeah. it's like we encourage people to read and gain knowledge and educate themselves right. and read more. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sold <sighs> that technology in and of a, as a general thing is bad. I know there are certain definitely detrimental aspects to it um so i do try to kind of be aware of that but if, at least i feel like and i think we probably talked about this already but you know my kids will go out and do social stuff and if i ask them hey you guys want to go hiking or we're going to go out and do this or we're going to take the dog out to the dog park most of the time they're like yeah sure let's go and they'll go and we'll go do it like right. i don't feel like any of them at least right now are at a place where i have to like fight them off of their phones to like be alive in the world kind of thing. And then they go to school all week and they're not on phones and technology while they're there. So they get a big break there. Yeah. You know, I know we've had this conversation. I have no idea if it was on the podcast or not. So yeah, now I'm right. wondering too, if we're repeating <laughs> ourselves, but I, I, I have the same arguments in my head of like, is screen time bad or good? And, um, one of the things that sticks out to me is that they talk about the early generation of video gamers and how well that how well they've translated into today's doctors because of the uh, hand eye coordination that they had to have with the video game controller. Yeah, our flying drones for the military. Right. So it's <laughs> become like a precision practice in our life. And I say, well, how do I know that my, I'm not even holding my kids back from future careers <laughs> right. because they didn't get the practice right. on it? Honestly, like I'm not trying to, I mean, I, I know that could be far fetched, but I, it's almost the same. And I've had this conversation with my wife. So uh, we try to eat healthy, organic, natural food to the best of our ability. We don't do it perfect. We got five kids, limited in the options of where to buy it around here, limited in my taste buds. Like, I don't like a whole lot of shit. Um, but so people who eat all these uh, non-organic chicken breasts and, and cow meat and all this stuff that's pumped full of hormones or whatever – you know, there's theories that their children are are developing earlier and larger, you know, uh, sexual parts for better terminology. And so if I'm not feeding my daughters this and we live in a society that's based on like looks, I'm fucking holding them back, honestly. Like I'm, I'm shortchanging what they're capable of in the United States, unfortunately. Like I wish it didn't. I wish big tits didn't equal like success in your life, but it kind of does to some extent. And if I'm feeding my daughters, you know, food that doesn't have all these hormones, I'm kind of fucking them in a way. Hmm. I, don't I don't know. know. I never really cared about that. 
<laughs> Maybe my kid will use their brains if they have them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hope. I just I look at all these things yeah. where we could be limiting their their advantages, right? Yeah. Like, you, it's more advantageous to be attractive, right? That's just the the facts. Unfortunately, we're in a society based on how you look. It, it does. It serves you better to be hot, right? Yeah. You get further. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, but I overthink Maybe everything. It depends on what you want to do, I guess. Maybe not in everything, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think the more attractive person gets hired or or gets the position, no matter what you're doing, if all else being equal. I don't know. There's a lot of politicians out there. You seen some of them women? Wow, <laughs> that I was mean. mean. Yeah. I'm I'm just, I you say. brought it up. You <laughs> ventured down this road, not me. I, was, I didn't call anyone. I say enough of my uh, sexist comments. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I guess maybe they're the most qualified. I don't. I don't know. I'm just saying that's one particular field where it. I mean, and I'm not saying they're ugly. I'm just saying that it doesn't seem like looks win out when it comes to politics. There are certainly, you know prettier women in politics that don't necessarily that aren't running the democratic party for example you know so i think politics is more uh based on funding and popularity like the more money you have the more people know your name because i I definitely know that i don't know this i know that when i've gone to vote and i didn't know a particular part of that uh voting you know who the people were like I, of course i generally know who the top voting person is if we're voting for president I, I know the the people who are running for president and and their issues and where they stand on them and all that good stuff right but like the fourth or fifth level down of you know the circuit judge for the ninth district of where the fuck ever i don't know who the hell that is but if i've right. heard one of those names i vote for that one yeah. right it's a popularity right. contest and and funding, which makes you more popular, unfortunately. I don't yeah. know. I guess that would kind of debunk my theory, though, because if you were hotter, you should have more money and uh, be more popular. That's just the one topic <laughs> that popped in my head immediately where I'm like, I don't know if looks, you know. So anyway, that's. But back to the money, property, prestige thing. Before we really get ourselves into trouble, venturing down a road. Of oh, my God. Yes. Thank and you. Looks and <laughs> <laughs> I think um, we already did. Yeah, right. Um so yeah, there's always the struggle to try to find the balance of what is enough money. When is when is enough enough? And I think as an addict, you know, there's always that struggle of having enough or feeling like something is enough or knowing what's enough and just having faith that like it's it's going to be okay, you know, however it works out. And you know, I know that I can find ways to take care of myself where I have resources available, whether it's through, you know, asking people or going to the bank to get a letter. Like there's always things that I can do, I think, right. to get money. I've never found myself in recovery at a spot where I really needed money, like really needed, needed money, like for to eat and couldn't get it or didn't have it or it wasn't available. Right. What there wasn't somebody there to help. Um, so need becomes uh maybe loosely defined you know? right like what is an actual need well and i money, think i know? think that's where we run into a lot of this problem is uh where you know what the more money i've ever had in my control to use 
just the more shit I've done, right? right. I always spend it. It's not like uh, I got to an amount where I was like, oh, this is definitely the enough amount where I can put some away and, right. and not do anything with it. I always spend it. If I have enough for food, clothing, and shelter, my basic needs are met, and, and, and that's great, right? But then I always, if I get more, well, now I just add another thing that I do with it. Right. Oh, now will I sign my kids up for baseball, and they have another you know, ability to do some other thing. Oh, now we got money for Christmas presents. Oh, now we can get them stuff for their birthday and throw a birthday party. Like, I don't actually ever have enough money. So I think that's where the issue is. I'm always going to want more because there's always more shit I want to do. Right. It's not like I ever do all the shit I want to do, but how do I, how do I stop? How do I find a place that I'm comfortable stopping at and saying, okay, this is enough stuff that we can do with this amount of money that I have right here. Uh, I don't need to chase it any further. I can use this time to do what I want with it instead of signing up for work with this amount of time. Like when do, where can I put that marker at? Yeah, that's I the problem. That's our individual sort of thing. I mean, um, gosh, this is going to go down a political road that might get hairy, but it's almost like the, the Santa Claus Christmas story. We're kind of sold. It's like we're sold this idea that, you know, the American dream that if we all just go out and work hard yeah. and, you know, do just right. put the whatever nose to the grindstone and get it done, that you'll succeed and you'll have everything you want and all that other stuff. And the truth is that. So there is a possibility for that to happen, but the likelihood that that's going to happen is very low. Right. So, you know, out of 500 working class people, you know, you might end up with one that actually makes a success story and turns it into the next whatever you call it social level where they're out of like the working class into the upper class so one out of 500 is pretty low odds <laughs> right and so we're sold that sort of idea that if we just work hard enough that we'll get what we need and uh in our lives like i don't know i work harder than a lot of people I know, you know, like, right. and I'm not afraid to work or put in the effort or put in the, the, whatever needs to be done kind of attitude. And there's still things that we maybe not need, but could really use in our lives. So as soon as I get some extra money, it's going to go to those things. Um, and then we get into situations, most of us, including us, get into the sort of credit card financial debt, whether it's through student loans or in mm. our case, some credit cards or a mortgage where you're always playing from behind to begin with. Right. Like you're never going to get ahead because you're already 10 steps behind before you started. <laughs> you know? And they don't explain that to you very well. Like it's you think you're supposed to go out and buy a house. Well, you buy a house, but you don't really buy a house. You take a loan to buy a house. <laughs> right, and if you, you don't pay debt. it, you don't have a house. Like, yeah. So, you know, buying a house is a little bit of a misnomer. <laughs> yeah, you buy a $200,000 house for $450,000. Right. Brilliant. Right. 30 years from now. You're yeah. buying it 30 years from now. You're not buying it right. today. For you're, two and a half times right. what it's actually worth. <laughs> right. yeah. So it's it's kind of a gimmick. And, uh, you know, it, but that's what we've been told. And so we actually try to teach our kids a little differently, um, which is part of the reason they don't go to public school is that we try to teach them to 
do the things in life that you love. Do the things that you enjoy. Spend your time, you know, sort of exploring and trying to have a life that is worthwhile to you. Because, you know, if you can do those things, you can probably find a way to make money at almost anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And that seems weird to say, but look at how many people make money at different forms of art, whether it's carving something out of wood or painting or, you know, leather smithing or whatever weird, you know, hobbies they get into that they just become passionate about, that they really become very crafted and and good at, and then they can find ways to make money at it. Um, If their dream is to chase money, then you sort of, you're working backwards and you end up doing things that you don't necessarily like. And, you know, to me, when I've been in those situations in my life, it's almost like selling your soul to the devil kind of thing. Yes. Like, you no, know, absolutely. Like, now I'm totally miserable in my life, but damn, I'm comfortable. Right. You know? I got that money though. <laughs> right. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I worked in construction. I got into the union um, shortly after I got clean and thought, Oh my God, they took me. They accepted me. Thank God. I'll, I'll, this is the only place I could ever work after my history. And they paid really fucking well. And then I found out I was miserable getting paid really well because I just didn't feel like it meant anything to me. I, I didn't feel like I was making a difference when I got up in the morning. Um, and so, you know, switching careers to something that works more directly with people and, and trying to help people is fucking... I honestly think, and kind of like how you're talking about with, with the artists and all, I am way less concerned with how much I make in this career and more thrilled with the fact that when I operate with people in this new career path, I fucking feel good about it. I go home, I feel good. I wake up, I don't dread going. I'm like, fuck, cool, I get to go in today. Nice, right? It never bothers me. And I'm like, who gives a fuck what I make doing this? Honestly, like it's pretty fulfilling and happy. Um, so I'm not, that's where I'm at with it. Do I want shit? Of course I want shit. I love new technology. I read about it cause I can't have it or buy it myself. I just read about what it's <laughs> like. Uh, you know, I think it's all neat as shit. I want to get an RV and tour the U S and then fucking boat my RV to Europe and tour there. <laughs> right. And I love all that stuff. But the <clears throat> fact is like, that's, I'm not going to sell my soul to fucking do those things. If those opportunities ever present themselves. Awesome. If they don't, I'm pretty happy on a daily basis, not just like miserable for 10 years to save up money to do this one happy three week thing. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I have happiness, like do what you really love. And I guess I don't look at it in the same way people have always sold it as find that one thing you're passionate about. I'm not even sure that fucking exists, <laughs> but just find something that you don't like hate doing, right? Like find something that's okay. And don't worry about the pay. Yeah, and I almost think on the flip side, if you find something that you love, but then your motivation for doing it is the financial success, I think you start to not like it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of that that goes on. Um, for me, I watched a documentary, and I, then I sort of went down that rabbit hole of exploring different ideas around happiness. There's one called Happy, and it's a documentary about that. And it sort of talks about, in some of these other like third world countries and things, that when they do these studies, they find that those people are as happy or in some cases happier than people in the United States Shocking. when they're living in like squalor conditions with no electricity right. and running water and all that stuff. But they're surrounded by like family. They all live sort of together, you know, in like a communal environment. 
and those sorts of things. So their quality of life is actually, you know, depends on what you're measuring quality of life by, but your happiness of your life is higher, you know, when you're more connected to other human beings, when you're more surrounded by people that you love and that you care about, you know, and, and your needs are kind of being met. But maybe you don't have electricity or television or an iPhone. <laughs> right, right. And that the flip side of that is people that make and they give you the numbers. I can't remember exactly what they are in the show, but it's something I'm going to just throw out a number. It's like once you make above, let's say, $40,000 a year. So one of the things that is true is that if you're living sort of at Extreme or below the poverty, positive yeah. poverty line in the United States, you're going to be unhappy because right. you can't even eat. And, you know, when your basic needs aren't being met, that creates, you know, a lot of stress and makes life difficult. But it was like people that made over, I'm going to say, $150,000 a year, whatever the number was, might have been 100000 Like they weren't any happier on average than the people that made between fifty dollars and $100,000. The level of happiness was the same. So just making more money didn't make you happier. Right. It, actually, your happiness stayed the same. And uh, that actually is what inspired us not to go down a long hole of like we did. We sold all our stuff and went and got an RV and traveled around the country and worked for way less money than I was used to making or that we were used to making. And uh, we went and worked at different campgrounds and traveled around and saw all different kinds of stuff. And I think I was happier in life. I think it was exciting and adventurous. I will say, I don't know that the stress level was any less because there still was like, hey, we got to make a living to be able to feed our kids and take care of ourselves and pay our bills. Like all those stresses were still there and I just made less money. Right. And coming back and settling down and getting in a position of where we made more money doesn't necessarily alleviate those stresses. Um, But that experience of just traveling and seeing different places and and going to beautiful parts of the country, like just that experience brought a level of joy and happiness to my life that I've never really experienced, you know, realize that you're not stuck where you are, that there's all these cool places to go and things to see. And, you know, one of the places we were was in southern Utah and just to wake up every morning and walk out your door and be like amazed at the beauty of the environment around you was like, that was an incredible experience. I think experiences are crucial experiences to, to have new ideals and beliefs put onto us experiences of going new places and just picking up on different cultures. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, um, happened from one of my experiences in school, I ended up talking or sitting next to a, a lady that happened to be from Africa. She was over here going to college. She was working in, a, um, a hospital. And we just had some interesting conversations because I'm always interested in like, what was your life like for anybody from anywhere? It's just interesting to me to see how different it is. And she was like, I was like, hey, so give me some comparisons from there and here. And what she explained to me was like, hey, here, if you need an operation, you want to be here and not there, right? Like our hospitals are shit. You you don't want to go there for a serious surgery or anything. She's like, but we don't have homeless people there because if somebody's homeless, their community or, or whatever builds them a fucking house. And I'm like, God, here we are. We moral grandstand all the time about how awesome the United States is. And then you hear that other people live in ways that maybe are 
of higher moral value and less about money. And that's, I mean, that's what I get from other places and why they could be just as happy or happier is because it's not about money. It's not about how much you have. It's not about keeping up with pop culture or whoever's singing about, you know, who has the best car. Nobody gives a fuck there. Like they're just worried about, Hey, we're eating today. We're, we got to go play some soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and life is good, right? I don't need more than that. Yeah. And I've always been fascinated by, they have different, you know, I'll call them communes. You hear about them all the time. Like sort of the old, the old hippie commune ideas, but there's more modern ones where, like you can go and live in a place where your sort of needs and all that stuff are met and you have certain responsibilities within the community or certain jobs that you do, but then they provide like, you know, the electricity and the food. And these are like neighborhoods with houses and stuff. They're not, you know, you're not living in some hut out in the woods with no electricity. (laughs) Like you, you know, they're actual neighborhoods and um, different ideas behind uh, those concepts. You know, some were, you know, you might have like once a week is your family's responsibility for dinner and you make dinner for everyone in the community, you know, but you're only sort of, I'll say stuck with that responsibility and making dinner one day a week. The right. other days of the week, it's someone else's responsibility. So you just get to go and show up and eat. And uh, those kind of ideas that sort of help reduce your dependence on money to meet your needs, but also increase your quality of life through, you know, having a community of people that supports and loves you and helps you to, to get your needs met right. um, outside of your own independent ability to generate dollars. You know? right, <laughs> and right. so uh, those, those kind of ideas have always fascinated me. I, I've, wanted to sort of quit my life and go join a commune. They have some over in like some of the Scandinavian countries that were fascinating. And there's right. a couple out, out West. I've heard about a couple out in like Oregon, of course. <laughs> yeah. Do they, do they have Wi-Fi? That's all I need to know. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if they had uh, Wi-Fi. My life would probably be healthier without Wi-Fi. I'm sure people have cell phones. Well, and, and like in some of these cases, like these were people that still had jobs, you know, outside of the car, like the one, the one Scandinavian one, I can't remember what it was called, but they would still have a job outside of the community, you know, so they would still go out and and generate some money. But the idea was you could go pursue something that you're interested in or something that a career or a path that was more interesting versus needing to take the job that pays the most money right? because your housing was supplied, your food was supplied, you know, those things were supplied. And so, you know, you're, your basic needs being met wasn't dependent upon how much money you made. Um, I wish as a society, we could just be more open to bringing in some of these new ideas from some other places where they work and maybe they don't work for everybody, but I, I just think we don't have a monopoly on good ideas, right? And there's some good ideas going on around the world that maybe we could put into practice. I feel like we just get so stuck in old belief systems that don't really serve us. Like we're, we're not finding solutions. Like according to these old belief systems, the problem is that some people are just lazy and fuck ups. Well, that's great, but that's not solving anything. Right. And, uh, like, can we get to a solution? But I'll say some of that stuff kind of exists. And maybe this was um, 
our the appeal to me about so where we were in southern Utah was this really small town and it was Mormon community, which I guess is the catch. Um, but it was a Mormon community and ninety five probably percent of the people in the town were Mormon. This was a town of two hundred ish people. It's a very small town. Um Everyone kind of when you know when we talk about small town and everybody knows who everyone is like this town literally everyone knew who everyone was they might not all be friends and know each other intimately but you really like you knew like oh that house is the Johnsons house and they have three kids and these are their kids and you might not be friends with them but you knew who they were and where they lived and if something happened you knew which house was theirs right um so it was a really small town but within that Mormon community like that's how those small communities work. You have a, I think it's called a deacon or it might be a bishop. I can't remember what the title is, but that person sort of, they call them wards. And, you know, that was sort of their, uh, that area assigned to that particular church that everyone belonged to. And if you were a member of that church or even a member of that community, if you needed something like you were in a financial situation or whatever, the church would come in and provide for your needs and make sure that you had what you needed. Right. Um, and so they were a community that was based on those same concepts and beliefs and ideas. Now, I guess the catch is like we weren't Mormon, um, but I don't know that they would not have helped us if we had asked. Like, I like to think they would have um, right. just in the amount of people we got to meet and know and uh, the, the connection we have with people in the community. And maybe that's the problem with it is there's always going to be personalities and stuff involved. And I do know there was one family that uh, someone had went to one of the uh, church meetings and in essence blasted the church for some things that they didn't like about it. So they mm. excommunicated that person and didn't talk wow. to them anymore. So whether they would have helped that person or not, right. I'm not really sure. You know, I'm sure there's some sort of sticky points and the Mormons have their uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, negative uh, press <laughs> right. about some of the things that they do. But it, it, the point is, you know, in those communities, it's not as well advertised, but that's pretty much how they operate. That's the the ideas and beliefs. And I'm sure between different wards and the different areas, you know. It, it varies on the level of commitment they have to those ideas. But that was the idea is that you belong to this community. So we're going to help you in any way that we can. And like there, it's, it's I think it's required that you uh, tithing of 10% of your income to the church. And that's what they do with that money is help the other people in the community that need that help. And, and I dig it right on a community level. I'm glad at least somebody's doing it. I guess I just wish it could get to a policy level at some point um, and maybe the highest level of policy to where we can start building policies that work on like actually helping instead of just picking apart what everyone's doing wrong and why they're right. not doing it right enough to get better at it. Because again, I, I'm with you. You kind of mentioned it like we're sold a dream of everybody can be successful and that's just not fucking true whatsoever. It's, it's not like that depends on a lot of things um, where you're born, what color you're born, what country you're born in, what city you're born in, like all these things factor into if you won the lottery of birth to be successful. And yes, there are some people, you know, that can, you know, luckily make it there, but it's just, 
definitely on a scale of where you start that 100 meter dash at you know are you starting at the beginning or do you get to start at the 75 meter line like um but i i don't even i think we're so fucking far off from a recovery topic that i don't even know where we're at well anymore. i just want to say one more thing <laughs> and then we'll wrap this up because this could go down a whole hairy road as this could be a whole podcast topic on its own but i think so in talking about the Mormon thing like i think even in communities like this that we're in and small Cecil County. Like we have all these churches around that collect money and tithing from their, you know, uh, what do they call people that go to the church? They, right. they collect money from the people that go to the church and then they take that money and they help, you know, starving kids in Africa or people down in Ecuador or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's a lack of connection back to the community. So I wonder, you know, it's just a weird balance of how do we what is our obligation to our community versus the world and then how do we separate out those things and if i have starving people three blocks away why are they any less valuable than starving people that are three continents away or is the world our community and I, yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of good questions. I personally, the one thing that comes to my mind from that, and I, I don't want to go down this wormhole in this podcast either, but just I can't fucking believe that churches have enough money to do anything at this point. <laughs> like, who the fuck even goes to church? And I'm not trying it gives to give them money. <laughs> right. I'm not trying to belittle church or religion or any of that. And it's just from what I see, I don't picture people in droves going to church and giving them money anymore. Right. So I'm like, God, they have money for anything? That's fucking crazy. Cool, right? So in essence, money sucks, and it's a pain in the ass, and wish we did without it. Yeah, <laughs> like, money's the devil. Yeah, Fuck money leads us astray in what's important in life. And uh, I guess, I guess that's it, Christ. We've talked for you know whatever a whole long bit of time, um, but that's fun. So, uh, oh, we have an outro now, don't we? So I don't have to say shit except we're done. Cool, we're done. That wraps up this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred platform. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about or just want to add an opinion, contact us through Anchor, email us at recoverysortof at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at recoverysortof.